Hello everyone, it's Derek here, sitting in the comfort of my office, and uh, I wanted to have a talk to you today about some things that I've been thinking about, and more than that, I know it's things that you've all been thinking about a whole heap. I've been having a lot of conversations with people, and I'm finding that people are thinking about a lot of things, and they're asking a lot of the same questions, and they are really, really good questions, and I want to bring an encouragement uh, as to how we think through these things. I don't aim to give you a whole heap of answers. I don't have the answers. God's doing so much uh, at the moment. and But what I want to do is just talk through this because if you talk to five or ten people in your close uh, fellowship group or whatever and they're all working through the same issues, they're all asking the same questions, you've got to ask, is this what the Holy Spirit's doing? in our lives at the moment. Is he actually trying to tell us something? Now, look, the whole world's thrown into turmoil. There's no doubt about it. There there is sickness and death and and so much struggle going on. And so I'm not... What I'm not saying is God's bringing all of this just for us right now, just just for Derek to work out to get his stuff together. It's not that. But it is... That God uses these situations to, to train us, to guide us in his ways, to shape us for our good. And it's a good thing. I want to start off with a passage from Hebrews. It says this, Have you forgotten the word of the encouragement that addresses you as sons? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes anyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. Now that's a, that's a hard verse, which talks about hardships. But it's, it's not, sometimes we think about discipline as in, my kids have done the wrong thing, I give them a smack, I give them time out, I, I take away their iPad for a month or, or anything like that. But a lot of the disciplining that God does with us, we are already his children. His love for us is uncontested. He sent his son to die for us. He, he's taken away all our sins. He's made us right with himself. That is the grounding on which we stand as his children. We know it. It, it, is, it is so brilliant to be at that place. But you see, at one point, uh, I taught my daughters how to drive. And I said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't put your foot on the accelerator there. Put your foot on the brakes. That's a smart thing, you know. And, and so on. We taught, and and that, that was disciplining and teaching. And sometimes they got all upset and cried and carried on. And, you know, they do that. That's what girls like. Uh, no, not mine. Um, anyway, uh, Disciplining is God's shaping and moulding and squeezing us more and more, transforming us into the likeness of his son, Jesus. And he does that through hardships. And there's no doubt we're facing some hardships. But there's also no doubt, look, something that people are saying all over the place, Christians, they're saying this. People who are really struggling at the moment are saying the same thing, and it's excellent. Trust God's sovereignty. He knows what he's doing. He's got a path for this world. He's got a path for our nation. He's got a path for our town. He's got a path for me and my family. I know that. And some of those people have even said, I don't know if this will end in my death, but I trust that what God's doing is good and right, and I know what he's doing. 
Now that's awesome because it's absolutely true. But what he's done at the moment for many of us in a lot of the ways of our life, some of us going on doing the same things we've used to, a lot of farmers are just going on with their farming and that's good. But for every one of us, there's parts and aspects of our life which have changed, which have, bits have been shut off from us. We've had to stop. And I want to say this first up, it might be a really good thing for us to stop. And maybe, you know that story in the Bible where Samuel is a small boy and he says, Master, speak, your servant's listening. Maybe it's a good time for us to, to listen, to say, you've got something to say to me. What's going on? Now, when I'm talking about this, I'm saying we need to listen to God and we need to spend time with Him. But I'm not, I want us to break away from one thing, and that's this thought where God's going to, it's about hearing from God all the time, hearing from God as if, I'm just going to hear His voice, I'm going to hear this, because so many people we've seen in recent days get confused between their own thoughts and what God's saying to them. And so I actually believe that in, in this listening, there needs to be a lot of prayer and a lot of scripture. A lot of the Bible. If you like my new... I've, my Bible was falling to bits, so I put this nice fancy stuff on there. But anyway, a lot of listening, a lot of reading scripture. Because you see, as you read scripture and we think about, okay, something like a plague or a hardship or being shut down or locked up or anything like that, actually the Bible's full of those examples. Full of times of isolation full of times where God spoke to his people, he trained them, he shaped them, he brought them to himself to worship. He gave them his law so that they could worship him. In the desert, in the time of isolation and hardship, but really the time of training. And firstly and foremostly, what was he training for? A relationship with himself. A relationship with him where they could worship him. Because I tell you, the most important thing you will ever do in your life is live a life of worship to God. He, he's there. He loves you. He's, he's, he's wanting to bless you and give you good things. He's wanting to remind you of all he's done for your son. But sometimes in our lives, we are just too darn busy. We're flat out doing stuff. And some of that stuff is excellent stuff. It's great stuff. It's life-giving. We're visiting. We're praying for people. We're, we're blessing people. We're serving people. We're loving them. But the trouble is that we're so wound up in that activity cycle, and I'm talking about Christians here, that we forget our first love. So what I want to tell you is I do know this to be a fact. God wants you to be close to Him, to re find your relationship with him to go to him first to dig in deep to use this time and we have lots of time to fellowship with him because that'll be the foundation don't you don't want to be running to god all the time and saying what do you want me to do god what do i got to do here what do i got to do there sometimes what he's really on about is who 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 are my people live in a relationship with me I want you to just sit on my lap and I want to talk to you. I want to go for a walk with you in the cool of the evening and I want you to live in that relationship that I made you to be in. So, but on that foundation, 
we've got to do it with the, with the beginning of the knowledge that we know for sure Jesus has died for us. He has taken away all our sin. There is nothing between us and the Father. So we come to the, this time of seeking, this time of worship, this time of closeness and intimacy with him, knowing that we are right there with him. There is nothing between us and him. We are with him. So, and we are with somebody who is working for our ultimate good and our ultimate best, and he is just pouring himself into us at this time. So we are coming to the Father, because it says here, for what son is not disciplined by his father? Our father wants the absolute best for us. And he's not happy when we're going down paths where we're all over the place. He is telling us he wants us close to him and he wants to draw us into that relationship. So one thing that's undoubtedly been, been happening for us all at this time is a whole lot of selfishness is being exposed in us. We, we, we're on about doing our own thing in our own time. I want to do it my own way, and I'll do... Don't you tell me what to do. I know I'll, 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 it's okay when I agree with you, but I want to go about my own life, and I don't want something constraining me. So don't tell me I can't leave my yard. Don't tell me I can't do it. And, and the funny thing is, everybody's a legalist this time, aren't they? Like, I don't mind breaking the rules a bit here and there, because I know I'm basically good. But if I see four people driving around in a car, well, that's just wrong. Well, four people out walking the dog together, how disgusting. You know, now everybody's, they got hand over one eye, say, I'm not looking at what I'm doing, but I'm looking at what you're doing. I'm keeping an eye on you. The sinful nature in us and our selfishness and our self-centeredness is, is undoubtedly exposed. And, and one interesting part of all this is even a, a, a government of a country uh, and the health officials, everybody who are, who are basically they're, they're not Christian in a lot of you know some some people are, but they're not are telling us not to be selfish, to think about other people, to think about older people, to think about people who are sick, and therefore to lose some of our freedoms for the sake of others. In other words, you, you know, to serve someone, it's always costly to yourself. There's some part of yourself you've got to give up. So that's good. A third point, just quickly, before I go back to the main thing, is we've a lot of us have been forced to deal and be with our families in a different way and be close, and uh, or in some cases to be separated from our families, and it's hard to get together. And I think that there's a lot of questions that God's asking us about how how we are as families. But what I want to really say is this, though: our Western way of life. We've lived in it for a lot of years, and we've loved it. And at the heart of our Western way of life is comfort, and ease, and basically control. I'm in control of my own little area. I know what I want to do, and I'm going to do it, and don't anybody stop me doing it. And suddenly, a whole lot of factors have caused us to go, okay, um, I've got to question this. Um, I'm not in control of my life. But the bigger and the better question is not to say, what's the government telling me I can do? You know, are they making these rules for me? And that? It's, what is God saying to me? Even for our church, a lot of questions are asked, and, and these are great questions, uh, about what is our understanding of the church? You know, you've got to think, we spent so much of our time doing stuff now, with the ch- which the church is doing without, 
it's and a whole lot of stuff that took so much time is kind of basically irrelevant. That's hilarious, really. Uh, what we focused on before and our systems and our buildings and our finances and our business meetings and we can't do any. Oh well, Zoom will give us a replacement, but but not really. What's the essence of the church, God's family, what's the essence of the gathering? What are we actually about? These are really good questions to ask because in all of these things, in all of our lives, what I'm saying is, and people are saying about there's a new normal. And what we can easily want to do is let's get as quick as we can and get ourselves back to the old normal because that's what we want. I felt comfortable in that. Right? But what if that old normal never comes back. What if that old normal is just not what God wants for us at all? What if that's not what he, What if he's actually saying, I want to create a new normal because I'm actually pushing you and conforming you into an image of my son, which you're going to be with for all eternity. And, and you know when you get to heaven, you're going to be quite different than you are now. You still have your same personality, but you, you, you'll have, a, you'll have a, a renewed body, yeah, but Everything will be made beautiful and wonderful and without sin. And, and partly his conforming along the way is taking us towards that image. So what if he doesn't want us to go back to the old normal? What if our aching to be in control, that yearning to know I'm in control of my own life and my own family and my own bank account and my own job, what if, what if all that yearning, what if, what if it's not what he wants for it? Would that be good? The best thing that we can do is what God wants for us. Now, I've told you I'm not going to answer that question. I can't. Hey, you're all in different places. But it's a really good thing for us to think about right now. Because otherwise, at, we might be at all costs trying to reconstruct an idol that God's just knocked to pieces. So he says this, No discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. A, a, a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained for it. In other words, it, it's actually in, he's talking in this verse and the next one, which I'll talk about in a minute, he's actually talking about a training and the training he's talking about is an exercise training Exercising, exercising your body. And, and he's saying, are you willing to be trained by this? Or are you going to fight it? Are you going to stop and listen? Because I've got some wisdom for you about what's best, in this case, for your knee joint. We're going to use that in a minute. My knee joint is sore. I'm struggling to walk. I can't go upstairs. I'm in a lot of trouble with my knee. Okay? And God is the great physiotherapist, as Martin Lloyd-Jones told us in, in the reading we did recently and he's saying you need to do some work on that knee uh, you can't let it go on anymore like that because uh, are you going to listen to what the physiotherapist says because the thing I it's great when the physiotherapist gets out their nice little vibrating machines or that thing they put on that makes it go warm and they put their gel and they give a nice gentle massage and you go well hopefully that fixes it and then the stupid physio at the end said something like, 
and you've got to do these exercises. And you think, no, no, just give me the nice massages, the warm feeling, the nice, the nice, yeah, do that nice stuff to me. Exercises, yeah, I don't really want those. But what he's saying is, are you willing to be trained by this or are you going to fight it? Or in simple terms, with all that's going on in our lives, the questions we're asking, are we going to stop for a minute and ask some questions? Because God is on about our ultimate good. He knows what he's doing and he defines our ultimate good. Now, a lot of people have been saying to me, I'll say it again, God's sovereign. And he is. And I love it. People have been saying, God's got this. And I don't know what it means. And that's true. We don't understand his will. We don't understand his ways. His knowledge is way, way above our ways. But, we to trust him. So many people have been saying that. People, I'm not talking about people who are having easy times now. I'm talking about people who are having really hard times. Are saying, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how this will end, but I'm trusting God. I know he's good. I know he's got what's right. There's some things I, I want to do for my family, but I don't know if I'll be able to do them. I'm just going to trust him. I've got no choice. What a great place to be. That's called faith. And uh, faith is uh, the best place to be. So, undoubtedly, though, underneath this, there is one particular doctrine that we have to be honestly speaking about, and it's the doctrine of the resurrection. We just shared Easter. Jesus was raised from the dead. And when he was raised from the dead, all who are in him will be raised from the dead after they die. I know his resurrection means a lot for us in the present life, and that's true, but we need to know this. When we die, those who trust in Jesus will be raised to new life. They will have a new body. They will be in heaven. They will be in the new heavens and new earth. They will be with God, their Father, forever. They will walk in the cool of the evening with him in a perfect relationship forever. You need to know that. Okay, this is vital for where we are right now. Okay, it is not a disaster when a Christian dies. It's not a disaster when a Christian dies. That's not the end of the story. Okay, we do need to know that. But I want to go back to this again. Listen, hardships, endure them as God's discipline. Let yourself be trained for them. They will produce a harvest of righteousness, in other words, the righteousness of God that he's given us through Christ will kind of come to life and work out in us. He's bringing that harvest of righteousness and peace. In other words, we won't be living in terror. We won't be living in fear. We'll have peace. Now, what I'm saying is, expect God to do good out of this. I'm not saying expect easy. Good equals hard. Do you hear that? Discipline, hardships, harvest of righteousness and peace. Good equals hard. So I'm not for a minute playing down any of the hardships people are going through. People are grieving, people are suffering, and it's deep, and it's it's awful. But as Christians, we can ask those questions, what are you doing, Lord? 
Therefore, he says, this is, this is all in Hebrews 12, I didn't mention that, but Hebrews 12 verse 12, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Okay, I'll go back to that knee joint. Okay, when you go to, uh, I've got my sore knee and I've gone to the physiotherapist, and the physio says, here's your exercises, do these. And you know what the physio says? He says, or she says, that very place that hurts most, that's the bit I'm going to get you to do exercise. This way, that way, and that way. And they kind of pick all the ways that are going to hurt the most. <laughs> Yay, for physios. And, and, and they say, if you want to improve your knee, you've got to do these exercises. You've got to push it in the places that hurt the most. You've got to exercise the most painful bits. So I want to ask these questions. What things at the moment about our current situation are annoying you? What's hurting you? What's frustrating you? What's causing you pain? Okay, now the natural thing is to think of where the pain is and run away. Okay, my knee hurts but my arm's good so I'll use that. But what, what I want to encourage you to do, what's, what's causing the pain Think deeply on that. Why am I annoyed about this thing? Why is this frustrating me? Let's think about it. I'm going to talk to my wife, or my husband, or my kids, or my parents, or my friends about. I'm actually. I'm not going to let things go undone. I'm going to. I'm going to work through them. But firstly, before you do all those, I'm going to pray through them. I'm going to say, Master, speak. Your servant's listening. I want what you've got to say to me. I want to dig in to the Father. I want to press in and I want to say to him, you know this thing that I can't deal with? You know this thing that's too hard for me? Will you start working in my life with that? Will you be, will you father me as you promise? Because you know he will and you know he wants, wants what's best and you know he's going to do it. In other words, Submit to the discipline of the Father. Because, I'll say it again, He sent His Son for us to die for us in our place. He really, really does love us. He really, really wants what's best for us. Like, really, He is working for you full bore. So if He is he's putting so much into you, wouldn't the best thing to do be to actually submit to it? To actually allow that discipline to flow. Because it will be good. I want to finish with a couple of passages. I'll say it again. I'm not answering any questions here. I'm just saying. Let's listen to what God's got to say. Let's let's touch those areas of pain. And let's, let's see if he has something to do with me. In my disciplining. In my training. In my strengthening. Because... If I'm lame in an area, if there's an area of life which is really dead to me or I can't work in or I'm not living in the fullness of God, maybe God actually wants me to, to, to live in all the fullness he has for me. And maybe his Holy Spirit is really, really at work in the times which seem difficult. In Hebrews 1.11 says, in, in him, that's in Jesus, we were chosen, having predestined having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything 
in conformity with the purpose of his will. Okay, he is working now out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Do you hear that? He is working, I'll say it once more, everything in conformity with his plan. In other words, nothing's escaping him. In order that we, who were first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That's a big plan there. It's God's plan. And can you see in God's big plan, he's included us through Christ into that plan and he's got so much that he's doing in you. And this time in our lives, he is he's doing it in a big way. So the best thing we can do is to be open to that. And I want to finish with the end of Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to pray. Father, we love you and we're so thankful that you love us so much that you sent Jesus for us, that you sent him to die for our sins and to restore us to you. And Father, we want what you have for us. We, we eagerly await what you have for us. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would hammer open some of our hearts are have been closed for a long time. I pray that you would hammer open those hardened hearts and that your spirit would pour in life-giving meaning, life-giving purpose, life-giving water, that you would flood us with your goodness, that you would overtake us, Father, that we would live in everything you have for us and that you would be about transforming us and conforming us to the likeness of your son Jesus because you are what's best for us. Father, work in us in ways that are far and beyond what we've ever known before. Father, we pray for those who are grieving, who are hurting. Father, we pray that you would be deeply at work in their lives, that you would be blessing them. And we pray, Father, that through this time, many who don't know you will come to know you, that you would bring a great revival in this world in houses that are locked down, in apartment blocks that are locked down, where universities are shut and schools are shut, Father, that you, by your Spirit, would be doing a more powerful work than we could ever imagine. And I pray that, Father, we would be drawn back to your heart, that our relationship with you would become just the most important thing ever for us. Because of your love for us, we love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.